Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? All right, all right, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of TSOB with Dr. G. I am Dr. Tracy Gilbert. I cannot believe we are already in the third season. I... I've missed y'all. I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm I'm glad I took the break that I did, but I did kind of miss y'all. And so I'm really happy to jump back in with a new season. And I'm super excited, as I always am, with the guests that I have today, just because I know we're gonna have a good time. And I know I'm gonna be introducing to y'all to someone new who a lot of y'all don't know, but you're gonna get to know today. So I am talking about none other than Dr. Rena Dixon. So let me real quick, I'm gonna read her bio, and then we're gonna get into the conversation. Dr. Rena Dixon is actually, Rena, what's your title at Fact Forward? Uh, director of Health Services. Okay, so Dr. Rena Dixon is the Director for Health Services at Fact Forward out of South Carolina. Uh, Dr. Dixon joined the Fact Forward staff in 2010. So she's an OG at this work. She's been at it at least a decade. Um, she oversees training for community partners and all work with healthcare providers, including the Collaborative for Reproductive Education and Wellness. She has extensive experience providing technical assistance to health centers across South Carolina on providing quality reproductive health services for adolescents and young adults. Dr. Dixon hails from the Peach State, growing up in Augusta, Georgia, and she graduated with honors cum laude from Armstrong Atlantic State University in Savannah, Georgia. And there she got a bachelor's of science in health sciences and a minor in Latin American studies. Dr. Dixon went on to get her master's of public health from Armstrong and a PhD in public health with a focus on health promotion and health education from Walden University. She has a passion for public speaking, sexual health, and social justice. And like I said, I'm just happy she's here because she's just a wonderful personality that lights up every space that she's in. So without further ado, hi, Dr. Dixon. Welcome hi. to TSOB. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Like, I'm totally like that. That person was like, I kind of want to be on this show, but I don't want to be the person to be like, Dr. G, can I be on your show? <laughs> when you asked, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> and it's, it, it's funny because I've actually had a couple of people who were just straight up like, so when you going to put me on? It's like, oh, I didn't know. This is... <laughs> I have to keep that in my right, right? But no, I definitely, um, especially with the topics that we're going to be talking about today, I definitely was kind of going in my mental Rolodex. And sometimes I'm really good at kind of pinpointing people. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Um, But when I thought about this topic, I definitely thought about you. And this is going to be a two-parter. I won't share with the folks the second half. The second half will be in October, though. But I was like, at least for the first parter, I definitely want to get you in to talk um, and specifically thinking about sex ed from a regional perspective because you are in the South. Before we get into that, though, you did share a little bit in your bio about where you're from. So I'm going to ask a little bit more the questions that I ask everybody. So where are you from? Where are your people from? And what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days? 
Love it. So I am a good old Georgia girl. I was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia. Um, my family is from Burke County. So when I say I'm country, I'm real country. My family has a farm. <laughs> we had cows, chickens, hogs, all that growing up. Yeah. Um, so when I say I'm from the deep south, I'm from the deep south. Yeah. <laughs> and this Georgia girl, does, uh, I live in South Carolina now. Um, so I'm not mm -hmm. that far away from home. And I literally have worked and lived in the southeast my entire life. So between Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina, those are yeah. my stomping grounds. Yeah. And now I guess you're kind of in the big city, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. People know, like, Charlotte's the far, farthest north I'm going. I live in Columbia. That's an hour away from Charlotte. So I will come visit y'all up north all day long. But at the end of the day, I'm coming home. <laughs> And I don't even blame you. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't come down south just because of the politics. I can't. But it's something about the culture of the south that I just, I mean, obviously having people from the south myself, I just love it. I just love the energy. Uh, people are just so much more, well, at least the black folks are much kinder, They're more down to yeah. earth, more easygoing, more, you know, yeah. just less We're stress. not hurting. I get like, whenever I go up north and I have to like, like when we go to McDonald's or somewhere, you're like, can I get a minute? And they're like, sure, take all the time you need. I get so flustered when I'm like in New York and they're like, okay, we need your order. I'm like, I right. don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's not that simple. <laughs> we just chill a little bit more laid back, but we like, you know, good Southern hospitality. I was raised yeah. with all of that. So it's, it can be a real vibe. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and what's got you thinking about sexuality these days? Um, everything is so much going on. I feel like every time we turn on the TV, it's somebody's upset. You know, I am a big Cardi B fan because mm -hmm. she's just unapologetically her. And she's going to tell you what she think and how she think it and what's going on. I mean, it's real conversation starters. So I love love how we incorporate i'm a big fan of music um i always tell them people like don't let the degrees fool you because i love jesus and trap music yes so all about like <laughs> using music to talk about stuff and i yes. get a lot of my sexuality like talk and starter points for music yes yes absolutely absolutely and y'all know how i feel about music all the listeners know <laughs> we did a sex ed that we ended last season with sex ed music month and have the sex ed soundtrack which is still up on the tsob website for anybody who wants to check that out um so but let's get into it right so especially yes. being from the south like how did you get into this work right like especially as a person from the south especially as a black woman how'd you get into sex ed so I'll give you a mini snippet of my true life story. Um, so I wanted to be an athletic trainer. That was my thing. I was going to be an athletic trainer and went to school and they changed up the programs. So I had to find another major. And I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And all of the pre-athletic like athletic training people got put in public like health as their pre-classes. So when they did away with the athletic training program, I was like, I kind of like this public health thing. This is... Mm -hmm cool right um so my internship my senior year of college in savannah was with this is when we had all the abstinence only funding mm -hmm. from the bush administration mm -hmm. and i like we were spending all kinds of money on them kids i ain't really talking nothing about abstinence but we were spending that money <laughs> <laughs> i realized that like these kids were so impressionable and i didn't want to 
give them the wrong idea about mm-hmm. sex and what was going on. So I started applying for jobs and my first job I got out of undergrad was working for Planned Parenthood and I was a health educator. And so that's where I got my feet wet of being the person who was willing to be open and talk about sex and sexuality and sexual health in the community. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's so funny to like hear people's stories because I'm one of the folks and I, I want to say the few, but I feel like I'm not the few. There's probably a bunch of like me, but like to not have come through Planned Parenthood, to not have come through that thing. It's kind of interesting to hear people's stories. And I'm like, wow, I never thought about ever working in Planned Parenthood. But it is a funnel for a lot of folks to get into this yeah. work. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. And what also is parallel, I'm thinking of what you said. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Tanya Bass in season one, Dr. Tanya Bass, I should clarify, um, where she talked about being in a program and it dissolved and everybody ended up going to hell, uh, to public health. So yeah. that's really interesting how folks end up in that. Um, so what was it like when you decided this is the work you were going to do? Like, how did your people take it? How did your community take it? What was it like being in the classrooms? Um, so I think the interesting thing for me is I really like when I latched on to public health and I latched on to health education, I really saw myself wanting to be a voice for people who looked like me because mm-hmm. all you saw were people coming into black and brown neighborhoods were, you know, older white women Mm -hmm. That it was like a joke. Like, nobody's listening to this lady and what she's talking about. So I saw myself being able to really be someone for people who look like me to give correct information to. Absolutely. Um, And I think for me, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. So when I started working in sexual health, it was interesting because, you know, being a good Southern girl... You know, we get a lot being in the Bible Belt of we don't talk about that, we don't say that. But Mm -hmm. then I started looking and seeing like well that doesn't mean people still aren't getting stds and people still aren't like I, I see so many people coming into the clinic with misinformation because they have no idea and it really just pushed me further to want to continue to do the work because yeah. there's space to do the work that people need education yeah. um and they can make better decisions when they have the education so that kind of like just pushed me forward to want to do the work I've always been my, uh, I went to a health science high school. So public health has kind of like always been in my forefront. My Mm -hmm. dad's a good old country boy. Like I said, you know, he drives tractors and stuff. He has no idea what I do. He knows (laughs) I work in the healthcare field. Oh, okay. He doesn't know. (laughs) That's that's about it. Like I don't, it just doesn't like, he just knows I work in healthcare and he knows I don't work in a hospital. That's kind of it. it. And that's all you need to know, daddy. It's fine. Yeah, he did. (laughs) My mom has always been, my mom and I have a complicated relationship and I feel like she's very supportive of my, of my career, but I'm like, mama, you know, you was one of the people giving me mixed messages about sex and how to talk about sex when right. I was younger. So I'm glad you on the team now, but I don't know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And it started off as being like, like my friends and people knew like, oh, you know, Rena got condoms. She can get you condoms. Do you need condoms? <laughs> <laughs> and that even like happens of like my um so my husband works at a manufacturing factory and we get like we talk about all kinds of crazy who's hooking up with who what's going on uh-huh. and so even now like some of the workers at his plant he's like your wife can still get them goodie bags and I'm like yes I <laughs> yes feel I am handing condoms you out plug, you plug. yeah <laughs> yes yes 
That is such a common theme too. Uh, I hear folks being like, "Yep, I was the plug. I was the person yes. everybody reached out to." Yes, that's Did you awesome. put a condom on? Let's talk about it. Yes, let's talk about it. <laughs> so then, Rena, when you think about all the work that you've done so far and kind of where you are right now, what do you feel like is your sex ed superpower? I saw that. I love this question. Um, honestly, for me, it's talking. And so like talking, I realized like is my gift. And so I love that I can use my gift to help others. Yeah. I, as a health educator, you never know what you're going to get thrown into when you're going to have to talk. People ask you to come speak. And I'll never forget this. I was at a small HBCU, Payne College in Augusta. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to come do a talk about sexual health. I don't remember if it was like HIV AIDS Awareness Day or what. It was some like, we need to talk clearly Mm -hmm. so I get to the chapel and they had their whole like it's like 500 people Mm -hmm. and five minutes before I'm supposed to start my talk the lady who's I don't remember what position when she comes up she's like so the administration they don't want you to use the word penis vagina condom what so you want me to do the whole sexual health talk without using like the key words that I need to say okay but you know what I did it I did it and it and I I will never forget that and I recognize that I don't get people who are scared to talk in public because it's my thing I've Mm -hmm. always had to do it but that moment I literally was on the spot and had to figure out how to do this 30 minute talk without saying any of the words Ooh, they didn't want me Thankfully to. it was 30 minutes because yeah. you got about 30 minutes for me before I'm like, listen, Ooh. I'm dropping the F-bomb in the first 10. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's so funny. How often do we get those stories of like, right. yeah, you come to present, but we don't want you to do this, this, yes. this, this. So what exactly am I talking about? Tell me. Right. <laughs> so I think, and I took that as a real growing moment for me of, yeah. I can go in and talk about this issue in whatever space I need to yeah. into, whether it's with older kids, high schoolers, adults, you know, a present a board presentation, I can make it work. Um, yeah. so that's my superpower. I, I would definitely agree with that. I would agree with that. I will also add one thing, because you and I both know we could talk. Like, so yeah. y'all y'all know that I usually bring my friends on here and I need y'all to know that Dr. Dixon is a friend of mine and we be chatting. Yeah. And one thing I will say that's also an added to your superpower is that you know how to disarm people in a way that I still do not. Like, I'm still the person that's not the most approachable. That because And that's by design. I just don't have the energy to interact with everybody. But Rena... Dr. Dixon has such a disarming personality that like the people that you would think, I don't want to talk to them. Why are you talking to them? Rena will be like, so listen, let's chat. And we just, you know, bonded and find out, you know, what they did on their summer vacation when they were 13 and uh, what their philosophies are in life and, and just really be able to get people to open up. And I think that's also really important. That's one of those, I feel like it's unteachable characteristics in human sex ed that is really important because you often are can be in front of audiences where it's like they're hostile to the topic or they're not interested or 
maybe they're interested in the topic, but they're looking at you kind of funny and you have to know how to get in and be personable and be approachable and, and set up. And I feel like that's something you're really good at doing as well. And honestly, I think where this came from is like, I, like I said, I've, I was in the 4-H club. I told y'all I'm country. I was in 4-H club. <laughs> Come on, 4-H. I learned how to public speak from 4-H and I was doing, we called them district project achievement projects before I was doing this in fifth grade of going yeah. up and talking in front of people about a topic. But when I got to Planned Parenthood, so part of my role was I was part-time health educator, part-time counselor when we had termination days in the clinic. And so I need to come in here and talk to women about, okay, you're getting a termination. What are we going to do for birth control? Let's talk about plans. Let's talk about partners. Let's do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you got a quick second to build a rapport with somebody, to disarm them and set to make them feel comfortable with you. And it's like, I'm not judging any choices. Let's just have this conversation. Let's be real. Let's talk about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I apply that of how I can just talk to other people. It doesn't have to be messy. It doesn't have to be Right. doesn't have to be tense. It doesn't yeah. have to be those things. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's really awesome. Like, I wish we had, we do not have the time to go as deep as I want to, but I'm like super fascinated with the work that, that you just talked about um, in terms of working with folks uh, with termination, uh, when, when they're getting uh, terminations. But I want to shift gears a little bit and I'm going to ask this question two different mm-hmm. ways. So you can pick which one you want to ask or you want to answer. The general question that I usually ask is, when you think about your area of specialization or specialty, what do you feel like black folks either get wrong or could stand to grow in or could stand to like be better? So that's one question. Mm-hmm. And or you can decide you want to answer both. But what's also coming up for me is what is a thing that you feel like folks get wrong or could get better about understanding as it relates to sex ed in the South? So either one of those. Um, So I think that um, in the South, I think people under people understand it's a it's a literal cultural shift here. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was hanging out over the weekend with a friend of mine from New York, and we were on a tour, and someone said something like they said the word Indian, and she was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they didn't say Native American." I said, "Girl, that's probably gonna be the least offensive thing (laughs) you heard all weekend." hard for people to understand especially who those aren't really southern like i am like i was like being southern is a proud point for me i know we get a lot of flack people think we're slow dumb with it we don't know how to talk well but there are other things like we said about the hospitality that i embraced about my culture of being southern mm-hmm. and understanding that is that we just operate differently here mm-hmm. things are it's gonna take people a minute to latch hold of something we're gonna be a couple of steps behind where other people are. So I think acknowledging that when you come in to do sex ed work in the South, mm-hmm. it's that you have to meet people where they are and realize they're probably going to be back, back yeah. to where you are. You know what? If I'm going to jump in real quickly on that because I think what's really funny to me is how often Northerners will act as if they are so much more evolved, but then do some of the most ignorant things. Like I was, I was like the worst thing I've heard is actually not in the South. The worst (laughs) thing I've ever heard and been called has been absolutely up North. And, And so, you know, it's, it's like, I think I get what you're saying about things being different, but I think that's less about being slower or being more underdeveloped and just being a little, having a little bit less information about the science of sexuality. But I, again, I still often feel like I am more likely to feel 
um, safe, to feel loved, to be, feel cared for in communities in the South than I've ever felt yeah. in the North, especially the Midwest, which is a whole other conversation. So, Right. And for Southerners, a big thing about doing work in the South, especially sex ed, sex ed work, is relationships and trust. Mm-hmm. Because we are big on, like, when you start off, who your people? Where you from? Like, that's like a connector mm-hmm. of understanding. And we don't do well with people coming in and telling us how things should go that just never works well so building relationships and understanding the groups that you're working with and how to make them more comfortable talking about the issue is a big thing so you know we're in the south of course we're in the bible belt we could probably have a whole other segment on the black church and sexuality and all you know it's coming (laughs) you know that's a whole thing but that's the crux of communities here in the South. Yeah. The church has always been everything from how the civil rights movement started of, you know, you think about Martin Luther King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and all of that. The church has been the crux of how movements happen in communities. Right. So you have to involve that conversation. Um, there's lots of progressive people who change how they want to talk about sex and sexuality in the church in the South now, but it's still going to be the basis of how you get something done and how you get people to come out to talk about an issue. Right. right. So it's not all bad, but there are lots of um, ways for you to partner and engage people in conversations and I've had plenty of run-ins where it's like we don't want to talk about that we're not going to acknowledge we have a problem even though I know what your kids are doing too right um (laughs) right so yeah I think that is a thing that people just have to understand and understand there's space for all different types of conversations you just have to find the right places to have the right conversations yeah. And it sounds like to me too, you're, you didn't exactly say this, but what I'm also hearing is that progress is going to look a lot different as well. Right. So you may not have where the whole community understands what gender nonconforming is, but if they can be at a place where they don't condone violence against gender nonconforming people, then that is going to be the mark of progress and recognizing that that's just as valid as not being, you know, as being able to name all of the different gender identities yes. and all of the different yes. sexual orientations. Yes. Baby yes. steps. People like I said, like, <laughs> I, I, baby steps. We work like my dad. Um, I don't know if we, I think we had a text conversation about this. Like I was home for like father's day or something and my dad was me and my dad were having this hilarious conversation about um Lady Chablis. So if you know Lady Chablis from the garden um that uh-huh. little Savannah. And I'm like, Daddy, use your pronouns. And he's like, huh? What? Like it was like, <laughs> I was like we're like, okay, we're it's it's this is probably so offensive to somebody else but I was like my dad is making like baby steps of right. understanding right. <laughs> understanding like non-binary and pronouns and things even though it's just basic of what he's understanding right 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all. It is fun being on the group chat, though. Getting stories about Dr. Dixon's family is entertaining. Entertaining. Okay. So, yes, definitely. And so, I don't know if you wanted to tackle the other question, but we can. It it was just basically um, what you feel like Black folks either get wrong or could stand to grow in or learn more as it relates to sexuality. So, I think. And think about me as my me and my experience as a young black woman in the South of what I was taught. I feel like I didn't. There's this veil of wanting to keep things quiet, 
But then realizing that sexuality is all around you in many places mm-hmm. and not having those open and honest conversations, I feel like we do a disservice to ourselves as black people mm-hmm. around that. Absolutely. Um, not understanding of how natural sexuality is and how easy it is. We make things more difficult mm-hmm. instead of having natural conversations. Like I can remember being younger and my mom telling me like, well, I don't know why you think you want to have sex anyway. It don't feel that great. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why? Ma'am. I, yeah, I remember being like, that doesn't make sense to me like at all. And then I remember like, you know, getting a little older and her being like, well, I just think you're grouchy. You just know like, like need to get some. Well, lady, like, you the one told me, like, it doesn't feel that great. So why am I doing it? Like, what are you talking about? Right, right. And if it doesn't feel that great, why do people keep doing it? Right. I'm I'm not understanding this at all. Right. So I just think it's that, like, we put so much on making, you know, making appearance of, like, Mm -hmm. everybody's not doing it when everybody's doing it. I always tell people when I like, when I'm leading a session with adults about young people, of what do you think the number one thing that why young people have sex is? And then people come up with, like, all kind of crazy stuff. And I'm like, people, it feels good. Like, Let's seriously. Not mix and if you want to add on it, I, I think a lot of that concealing does make people curious. But it's like, right. well, shoot, you know, I want to know what you're hiding. Because clearly yes. it's something good if you are going through all this extra effort to try and hide it. Then I want to know. I want in. So yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And it's it's so funny to me when people are like, well, you know, don't talk about it. Just don't worry. It's like, okay. Yeah. You, like, you are taking your, I always, when I work with parents, I, I do this exercise where I say, okay, what's the, what's your child's favorite radio station? What's their favorite TV show? What's their favorite? And you put yourself in there. So if you decide you're not talking about it, you just gave up your power to all of these other influences to talk to your kid about sex. I don't understand how you think that's more effective. Right. Off. <laughs> right. And you want to like, I think there's a total difference between giving age appropriate answers mm-hmm. of understanding what things are going on and actually being honest and real with them. Yeah. And you yeah. miss opportunities to be honest and real with them and you put them in a chance to have a, to be in a situation where they could make decisions that aren't best for their health Absolutely. because you don't want to be honest and open with them. Absolutely. So I think we need to do more, have more real, honest conversations. Um, And I think we also need to be open to things are different. Mm -hmm. Just be open to that. And us as a people understanding that sexuality has always been around us. And it's Mm -hmm. okay to embrace that it's a little bit more open um, than it has been in the past. Yes, yes. And that there's not, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a sexual being. Like, we have this history where there may have been, you know, assumed some problems or, you know, some outcomes related to that. But that wasn't because we were sexual people. That was because of external influences that penalized us for being sexual people. And so, yeah, yeah, it's important to make those distinctions. Absolutely. And And I think it's also important to see how sexuality was portrayed in the past of what was controlling about it. Um, I know we had this conversation when we were talking about the versus battle with the Isley brothers. Oh, and yes. Like, <laughs> Woo, 
I was like, these lyrics, and I'm like, wait a minute, mama, you giving me hell about what I'm listening right. to? Can you listen to this? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You cannot listen. I I exist on a steady diet of funk music. You cannot tell me nothing about what we listen to now compared to what y'all was listening to back then. Right. Because y'all was getting it in. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yes. Don't like stop judging us because right. y'all would get it in too. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just think that is a big thing for us as black people is to um stop shaming ourselves for things that are natural and yeah. to have more open, honest conversations. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Definitely. Um Wow. Everything you said <laughs> is just definitely kind of how I see this work and how I see what we do. And it's so funny how we can start with young people and kind of have this silence and then folks become adults. And the assumption is that you become an adult and it's all of a sudden like, oh, it's good now. And it's free. And it's like, but I got stuff to work through. <laughs> right. Then you become an adult who's giving another young person like misinformation. And my husband, and I had this conversation all the time. I'm like, cause he's always, he's so hilarious. He's like, I can't believe you just said that out loud. I'm like, why? Cause I talk about sex freely. Like what, why would I be saying it out loud? It's what it is. <laughs> um, but I had that conversation. And I asked him, I was like, where did you learn how to put a condom on? And he's like, I got so much misinformation. I'm like, this is my point. <laughs> all your uncles, all the dudes on the block was telling you needed to like triple strap and all this kind of crazy stuff. Listen. And nobody taught you. It, <laughs> nobody tells you this is not how it works. It's not how it works. Like I will forever, like at some point I probably need to do some cleansing work around my four condom story. But yeah. the, like, I, I think I said it on this show. If not, you probably come to a keynote that I've done. At some point, I will tell the four condom story. And it's just amazing. Like, I was taught four condoms. And thankfully, I was not having sex because that would have not worked. It would have been a traumatic. The idea of putting on four condoms at once while you are having engaging in penal vaginal sex. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, right. I, so this actually makes me think of something else. Do you work with adults? Do you have adults ask you questions? And, and how are those conversations? Um, I, they range. I do work with adults. So mostly I, I don't miss working with the children. I say that I don't. It's been a minute. <laughs> what? You don't miss? I, I love working with young dues. folks. I have paid my dues. College students, okay. I can get rid of college students. But I do not have the patience no more to work with the middle schoolers. And I them love them. I love middle oh, schoolers. I love them a hot pocket. Like, I'm done. I have reached those <laughs> <laughs> but adults is kind of like my area now because I also see the importance of creating trusted adults in the community yes. because young people should be have multiple touch points of where they can ask mm -hmm. questions and feel safe so mm -hmm. the more adults I can train to help build that village the more young people that are going to feel safe and understood yeah absolutely um, so do they ask you like so Dr. Dixie I got this problem <laughs> So I yes I I I was that I was that friend for a long time, especially when I worked at Planned Parenthood. People would be, like inbox me like, especially when inboxing was new on social media. Like, um, can I ask you a question? Word, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, y'all. But this is why because y'all don't know, so right? That's right. Um, so I like that I can do that. I also try to just be like a voice of reason. Mm -hmm. to just because my thing is like as long as y'all wrapping it up stay safe go do you no judgment zone like this right. is, 
I think that's the biggest thing I learned about working at Planned Parenthood. This is a no judgment zone. Hey, I will not yuck somebody else's young. At not all. Be for me, but it might be for you. Who's right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So I think that like because I have that like space is why I get like random inboxes of people asking me like how do you feel about this? Is this okay? Have you used this? What is up with this? I'm cool. I'm fine. I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So then let me, let's go ahead. That's a great transition to the next question. Let's say there's somebody listening who's like, you know what? I have been in the South my whole life and I know things need to be done differently. I just don't know what to do. Like I would like to approach things differently, either in my own sex life or with my young people or anything like that. Like what piece of advice or what advice would you give them to like make those steps to get started on their journey? Um, I think having open and honest conversations with yourself starts first and making sure you're well informed and you know all the pieces of what needs to be done. And then it radiates off of you. I fully believe that if you bring the energy and people see you making good choices and you talking about condoms and you checking in, then your network grows. And then that leads you to finding an organization that's, you know, working with young people. And, you know, we all have our, I always say we all have our inner health educator in us. It doesn't just have to be me, the one that's carrying the torch to talk about sexual health. Other people can do it too. So I think if you start doing the work to make a committed choice about being healthy and bringing that positivity, use your social media platforms, talk about World AIDS Day, talk about HIV AIDS Awareness Day, um, was it February 13th is Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Like use your space to talk about how these in, these issues are affecting us as a people mm-hmm. and it naturally radiates uh, radiates about what you can do. And there's so much good information already out there that the information is out there. Yeah. You can do a yeah. Quick search and find a reputable source that's going to give you all the information that you need. Definitely. So I think that's just where you start at. Yeah. Awesome. And I love that. I mean, I think it's simple to the point and I think it's accurate. I agree with you. I think far too often people assume like, oh, you know, I got to go find this person to do this and I got to go find that. And and to a certain degree, understanding like the science behind things, it's helpful to get someone who's credentialed, who can actually give you some facts. But once you have those facts, like you said, just being able to, you know, Check people on social media like, hey, yes. that's not correct. Um, <laughs> just so you're aware. Yes. <laughs> you know, and getting people, you know, getting those conversations going. Because I see too often people are willing to argue, but not because they want to find the truth, but because right. they like yelling at each other and they just want to be right. the one who sounds the best in the conversation. And right. it's like, meanwhile, we're missing the opportunity to learn something and we're missing yes. the opportunity to do really well. So... And those simple things of like, did you encourage your boy or your girl to go use a condom? Yes. Simple. Like, you don't have to have a degree to do that. Just be like, did you wrap it up? I just want you to be safe. We're good. Yeah. I'll just wrap it up. We're good. That's simple. That's all. That's all. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm like, this is one of the shortest conversations, but I recognize when I'm talking to an Aries, they begin straight to the point. I love it. Um, So I kind of want to keep you hanging on, but I kind of I kind of want to respect time because I don't know if y'all heard the dinging. I might edit it out. I may not edit it out, but you might have heard the dinging. We're both getting emails. <laughs> Dr. Dixon stay getting emails from her staff. They like, listen, we need you. So I'm not going to take too much of her time. But um, I, ooh, I, like, I want to get to the my next question, but I'm really still kind of sitting with your mm-hmm. work around terminations, especially right. being in the South. Tell me more about that, what that was like. Yeah. Providing that unique specific support. Cause I had imagined that's, that's a little bit different. 
It was. Um, and I think what I learned from that experience was that's where I got my no judgment zone from. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to judge a choice that anybody is making. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make the best choice that's for you. And I have mm-hmm. to accept that. I always said that I wanted an opportunity to work for Planned Parenthood again outside of the South. Um, because it was a lot. Just the judgment that came upon me for just providing education. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, like I just realized we've been using the term termination, but for folks who are not clear with that specific term, we are talking about abortion. Yeah. So for folks who are like, what? Termination? What? Like, that's what we're talking about. Right. So, yes, go ahead. <laughs> um, and I remember I had a, so I had started, I was working at Planned Parenthood around the time of Katrina. And we had a busload of people come from New Orleans. And we had a girl come in for termination. And I, like, we cried together because she was like, I literally have nothing. We have no nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I can do. And, I re- and, like, that was an aha moment for me to realize she was making the best choice she needed to make for her. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was my space moving forward of it's literally... I think a lot of people have misconceptions about who we see getting abortions and black women are more likely to get an abortion and this and this and then. And that was not what I saw. Because mm-hmm. there's equally amount of white women coming in here, but we still put oh, those sure. stereotypes on black women. Um, but it just, it humbled me because it took me to a space of, it's not my place to judge anybody's choices. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that specific story because I think too, there's often the assumption that when black folks are doing it it's no moral it's just like oh yes. you know you just don't feel like having one you just da, da, da. Yes. which you are entitled to do if you do yes. not feel like having a child that is your right and also i think we're probably the most misunderstood in terms of the motives and the context that informs these decisions that we often make yes. so i think i appreciate appreciate you sharing that story um and yeah just talking and, and thinking about what it's like to do this in a place that is so religious, that is so conservative. Um, I can imagine there's like lots of stories related. I know we've talked about some, yes. but there's a lot more stories about that uh, that are just very different than in other parts of the country. Yeah, I mean, you have the white evangelical groups um, that have made it their mission to, you know, stop abortion, even though they don't care about black and brown babies after they're born um (laughs) it was just very for you to like like i like i i I think i told you this story like been at at a public event where we're just like i'm there in my health educator hat you know Mm -hmm. handing out information and free condoms and hey let's talk about pap smears because we don't want you to get cervical cancer and like all the other things that we do besides not no mention of abortions at all and for like a white male to come up to me and my coworker and be like you're a slut you're a whore I'm just handing out cervical right. cancer screening information. Right. Like, a, <laughs> right. So yeah, it's that that um juxtaposition of what you see in the South is very, very interesting. Yeah. And that actually makes me think of what you just said about recognizing the differences in terms of what progress might be. Because it's like, yes, I'm not going to say that it's like all gravy up north. We just talked about this. There are lots of extremists and just violent people, violence that's practiced up north. And yet, 
understanding that if you can come to a space as a health educator and get someone to not call you out of your name, that can count as progress. <laughs> like right. that alone can count as progress right. just based on what the context has been. And I think that's really important to be mindful of that. Right. And so for, and I think too, like, uh, like I went to churches who were like, well, we don't want any sexual health information or we're going to need you to leave and pack up your table because this is not okay. When we're not talking of like, people think we just have banners of like, come get an mm-hmm. abortion. And we're just talking about breast cancer screenings and getting on birth control and that kind of thing. Right. But for every place that we weren't welcome, there were still places that wanted us to come in yeah. and let's talk to our young people. Let's talk to our young people about how we get of what their options are for contraception. And let's talk about how do you use a condom. So that's what I say when know your wins, because there are people down here who are doing really good work. Absolutely. Um, it just gets overshadowed by the noisy ones who. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Are yeah. in, uh, um, opposition. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I've always said, I said my 2020 might, we could just fight, but you know, <laughs> enough folks don't like fighting. But I'm like, we could just fight. Um, But anywho, <laughs> we're going to get ready for my rapid fire questions in just a second. But I want you to close it out, uh, Dr. Dixon, by sharing kind of all the things that you've talked about and kind of where you are in terms of your position in this work. Um, we, we've, we haven't even talked about how we even got connected with the sex, uh, right. sex education collaborative and the work that we're doing with the racial justice and equity task team and all of that. But, um, I know you, you have an, an amazing and a, and a particular, particular intention with the work that you're doing. So in terms of that, what do you feel like it means for you to be a black sexuality educator at this moment in time, thinking about either your influence, your legacy, if you want to go that far, your significance, any of that that you want to share? Um, I think I am, and it's so weird for me that we talked about it, like, it's so weird for me to feel like I'm in OG status, because I feel like <laughs> I have so much work to do. Yeah. But, um, for me, being in senior leadership at a nonprofit, um, teaching public health classes, like, I really am trying to bring up the babies. Mm-hmm. So when I have these, you know, I'm trying to mold younger professionals coming into the field. I'm trying to help out people who just want to do the work and be, you know, a voice on the topic. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's going to be my legacy of bring everybody along. Um, mm-hmm. Because I really firmly believe that us as a people, we have gotten so far by working and leaning together. And so we have to be willing to work to help bring along other black females, you know, anybody, but um, you know, I'm, you're always going to have a soft spot for um, people who mm-hmm. look like you. Mm-hmm. So that's my thing. Of I just want to leave a mark so that I can inspire future sexual health educators who want to do this work and give them the real about what it means to do this work. Yeah. And help them understand of what a difference you're making in communities mm-hmm. because you have someone who understands what they're going through to talk to about anything going on or giving them the yeah. right piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but you can spit them out if they don't feel resonant. I also feel like I get the sense too, with the unique location that you're in. It's also about letting folks know that what, 
like you're you're a possibility model and letting folks know mm-hmm. like you can do this work too and i think um like I, I i think part of the reason why i never came through a planned parenthood is because i didn't know that was something you could do like planned parenthood mm-hmm. didn't come in my school and teach anything yeah. um until i was an adult when i first knew that that's what they did and and if I'd have known then, I think my trajectory would have been a lot different to know like, oh, you can do this. This is not something that has to be outsourced from folks who are not in your community who don't have a vested interest. Like you have the right and the capacity to teach your peers and to teach your your neighborhood and teach your community. And so that definitely seems like something too. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes it's the, if not me, who? Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel so strongly about it. I still get roped in when my husband's fraternity calls. I'm like, we need somebody to come talk to the to the boys. <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming. I said I don't like yes. working with you. I'm over. I'm coming. Listen, that's on my vision kids. board. That is on my vision board. I'm trying to be in them streets with them kids. Yeah. Oh, like the friend, can call me. Tell them to call. Well, no. If we, if we do a Zoom, tell them to call oh, me. Yeah. I'll... <laughs> But yeah, but and it's, that's the innate thing about it. As much as I'd be like, that ain't my ministry no more. At the end of the day, I always tell people, no matter what degrees I get, I'm still a health educator at heart. I'm mm-hmm. still going to be a sexual health educator. And that's going to be that's my it. mission. And that's, and that's how I'm, you stay good at, at being an yeah. educator. By continuing yeah. to get out in them streets and get in the, get with the new generations and find out what they're talking about. Yep. And get them conversations with them. Yeah. So it that part I feel like will never go away of what I bring to the field cuz I just yes. can't help myself. I always you know, I always tell people I stay getting blocked cuz I piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> As Dr. G said it, I'm an Aries. I'm gonna say what I got to say in <laughs> period. I didn't say you had to listen. I just said I'm gonna say what I got to say. <laughs> as I can disarm people, I still am just gonna go ahead and say it and it's gonna be all right and they're gonna be okay because they got blocked, you know, so um, yeah. but yeah, I think that's the part of my thing. I'm gonna continue to say what I got to say. Do what's good for the people. That's what's up. Yes, I don't know. I Everybody I see, and, and maybe it's just because you disarm people you you disarm me in communications with people I do not want to talk to. That's what it is. Where I'm like, okay, Rena talking to them. I guess I'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it's the southern bell in me of like I really think that's where it come from it's just yeah. like just, just be a little you know we I was just so funny I was in New York for like a training or something like that and one of my friends she's like from Boston and we were trying to like get on Good Morning America something like something random like that and she was like Rena you're from the south go talk to her I know like I'm gonna come <laughs> off wrong and I was like okay <laughs> And then I had to be like, where your grandmama from? North Carolina? And I said, see, all all roads lead back to the South. Everybody got a connection back here. Whether that's you know it. Or not. That's it. That, and that's why I asked that question of where people are from. Because it's like, you got something down there, especially if you black. Yeah. I want to know. I don't want to, I don't care about what you're doing up north. I want to know where your people from. Yes. Because that's going to tell me everything. So. Yes. Uh, all right so are you ready for my rapid fire questions i'm ready let's do it all right so these are five sentence stems i'm just gonna ask you the uh, root and then you answer with whatever comes to your mind okay okay so the first one is sexiness is sexiness is comfortableness Ooh, i feel like just being if you are comfortable you can be sexy yes facts facts Mm -hmm. facts facts all right the sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is 
Um, the sexiest thing about blackness or black people, and this might not go, but it's black love. Like, hey, I lo- so I literally just ordered me and my husband. So my husband hates when I wear him, make him wear matching t-shirts, but I do. Um, <laughs> and I, just, I just ordered us matching t-shirts that's from Carrie Hilson that say my soulmate is black. And I can't oh. wait to wear them. Because it's like, I love that. I just love that feel of when we as black people support and love each other. Yeah. And yeah, I, just, I, I, I don't know who said this. So whoever's listening, don't quote me. I didn't say, somebody said that black folks loving each other is a revolutionary act. And I don't know who, I don't know who, but I just feel like it's, it makes sense. So if it was you, if you're one of my friends and it was you, just shoot me a text. <laughs> I don't remember who, but somebody said it. And I was like, and if you remember that I said it, just tell me. Cause I don't remember that I said it. I don't think I said it. So I'm not trying to claim it, but I believe that that is accurate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next sentence, Tim. My go-to for feeling sexy is? My go-to for feeling sexy is um, twerking. That's my love. <laughs> yes. Get a little twerk dance. Like, get your little slow bop going with a little twerk. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's one of those things I'm still, still not quite there. I've said it in other shows. I'm like working on it. I ain't quite... It don't quite twerk. The the work ain't twerking, but hey, I mean, I had my, you know, that that uh, let's see, when was I in college? Two thousand one, two thousand five. You know, that, <laughs> like up to like two thousand seven. Them club years was a lot of fun. It see, was a lot of yeah, fun. and that's the thing. I was still when I was in college. It was still where you supposed to quote unquote keep your legs closed, even though it was the Luke era. We wasn't twerking, twerking. We was just. You know, it was more chest than it was butt. So I got to work my way into that. (laughs) That came out after I was an adult. So, (laughs) Um, all right. So the next sentence stem is sexual freedom for black folk is achieved when? Sexual, when we stop worrying about other people. Come on. I think like that's it. Like when I say, do you? As long as you do you and stop worrying about what other people think, that's when you can be free and open and honest about everything with your partner or whoever. Very simple. It's very, yeah. very simple. And yet somehow, all the work still left to be done. Yes. <laughs> all right, last one. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will. When I am done being on this podcast, I will... Um, I think I am, we got work to do. Like, it's just, it's work to do. Right. Um, I'm like, don't we got a meeting in like that? <laughs> so it, we, so I, this is a teaser, but Dr. G and I have been working on like race inequity standards in sex education. Yeah. So that's like the, you know, I'm, we're really invested in making that move forward. But it's just a reminder of there's so much work to do around mm-hmm. sex ed, and especially for sex ed of people of color. Yeah. Um, so I'm in this really unique space where I got a grant, I'm working on a grant funded project where we get to innovate and think of innovative things around pregnancy prevention and STI prevention. And it's yes. a fun space to be in because I just get to put all my creativity in. So let's try it. Let's see if it works. But it's a reminder of there's work to be done. It's yeah. ne- it's a there's always going to be a new set of babies coming up that need education, and then uh, I'm gonna find another set of parents who don't know or don't feel comfortable or need help trying to figure out how to have conversations. Yeah. So I think it's just go to work and continue <laughs> to do the work. It's- yeah, it's true. We just gonna keep working. We just gonna yeah. keep working. But 
Um, I'm glad that at least for this hour, almost hour, that you were able to pause and give me your time. I am just excited for this conversation and to go back and edit it. I'm like super excited for that. Dr. Dixon, why don't you tell the folks, anybody who also, because I know you do your day job, but if you do any consulting or anything like that for folks who are like, can I, I want to keep talking to her. How can they find you? How can they, you know, connect with you? All of that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Um, Sensitivity8 is my handle on Twitter and Instagram. So you can always find me there. Always a fun time, too. Just always yeah. something funny on there. And I'm all really <laughs> random. I talk about everything. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, it's from everything. Like, <laughs> You never know what I'm going to wake up in the morning and feel like talking about, um, right. which is why I stay in blocks. But it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm there talking about black issues. I'm there talking about sex and sexuality. I'm there talking about random what I ate on Thursday. So <laughs> it's just it a wealth of knowledge and information. But I, I literally consider myself an educator in all facets. So I'm always sharing like fat. Like I'm trying to educate people about whatever I'm feeling about or whatever's going on at that mm-hmm. moment. So mm-hmm. yes, feel free to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Sensitivity8. And my DMs is not popping. So if you just DM me, I can give you my email address. It's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's so funny. The whole DMs are popping. It's like, where? Yeah, mine not popping at all. So, <laughs> or if they are, my husband's like, "Who the hell is that?" And I'll be like, "A scammer, don't worry. It's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's cool." <laughs> but yeah, reach out to me. Like you know, I yes. love to like I like I said, speaking is my thing. So call me. I come talk. Yes, 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 yes. We gonna the next thing. Doctor Dixon doesn't know this. We gonna we gonna get get our uh, website where she can put her page up and like start to get these these uh what do they call them keynotes keynote dollars get these uh motivational speaking dollars get me together help get me together (laughs) we gonna work on it (laughs) but thank you so much for being on this show um thank everybody for listening i wish y'all all the best and i will see y'all next week bye You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G, produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and Aya. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB The Podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, Don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.